This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. must truly be nerds. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby! And I am your host, Liv, she who continues to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey just all of the time, continuously, forever. Cannot ever leave it behind because Cassandra. I'm here today with a special bonus episode of the podcast because hell, if I was going to talk about Atlantis, there was no way I was going to avoid the fact that Cassandra heads down to the lost city of Play-Doh in this game that I cannot stop ever playing. Now, before we dive in, you may be expecting the bonus episode on Disney's Atlantis today, but I've made the call to swap the release dates of these two episodes, and that is because, well, the Disney episode conversation turned into something that really needs the background of the Atlantis series in full in order for it to really make sense and kind of drive the point home. So Disney's bonus episode is coming next week, and AC Odyssey's is today. I spoke with returning guest, classicist Kira Jones, who knows all things 
gaming when those games feature the ancient Mediterranean. And I am so excited to have Kira back. She joined me last year to talk all things Assassin's Creed Odyssey and our beloved Cassandra. So it was only right that I asked Kira to come back to talk about this Atlantis DLC. As you might expect, today's episode is chock full of spoilers for both Assassin's Creed Odyssey generally and specifically the Atlantis DLC, so if you don't want those details spoiled, then come back when you've finished the game. We also do refer to Kira's last episode with me on the show, where she told me some truths about the canon of AC Odyssey versus the marketing department. Cassandra is canon. So I've added a link to the other episode about the game if you're curious to listen to that as well. It is in this episode's description. When it comes to these bonus episodes, I wanted to make them much more loose and fun and casual than the much more academic other conversation episodes of this series, less about making strong and important points about Atlantis, and more about just the wildness of it all, the pop culture representation, all of it. So you'll notice in this episode we have some fun chatting Odyssey generally and beyond. We do touch upon a couple of other games that Kira has found Atlantis references in recently, but the majority is Odyssey, because, well, truly, I play this game far too often for someone who has completed the whole thing and played through most quest lines multiple times. But what can I say? I will never turn down the opportunity to wander through classical Greece as an absolutely badass mercenary woman. This is the bonus episode, Cassandra Meets Poseidon, Atlantis in Assassin's Creed Odyssey with Kira Jones. Obviously, I took any excuse to bring you back on the show to talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I truly do nothing else with my life. So thank you, Kira, <laughs> for coming back. <laughs> I am always happy for the excuse to talk games with you. <laughs> I'm so glad. I like people always recommend more games and I'm like, I know I should. But like, I just not a video game person. I'm an ancient Greece, specifically realistic as in Odyssey person. And so I just mm-hmm. don't care about anything else. It's bad. Yeah. Although, f- fair warning, I um, I might veer off into like Genshin Impact and Titan Quest a little bit just because, like, I just realized this week that they have some serious Atlantis shit going on. So amazing, absolutely. Yeah. Anything yeah. Atlantis? Definitely. Oh yeah, please. Oh yeah, there's so <laughs> many Atlantis games. There's an Indiana Jones and like the Lost City of Atlantis game out there. Really? Yeah, it's from like the '90s or something. It's oh, kind of wow. old, but also super cheap. So well, also I bet it's great if it's from the '90s. '90s games were something else. I know, right? <laughs> like that's that's the thing is like for me in video games, it's like mm-hmm. okay, but like did I play it in the late '90s, early 2000s? Because then mm-hmm. I'll want to play it again for nostalgia. Like I recently, yeah. And this is Atlantis, but I haven't gotten too deep into it. But Age of mm-hmm. Mythology, did you? Ever yeah, play that? yeah. I haven't yet. It's been on my list for a while. Um, I, I'm not usually that into um, like that genre of game, but I mean, it's Age of Mythology, so one of these days. But one of the things I didn't remember going back to it is that so much of it is actually about 
Atlantis. Like the whole storyline is Atlantis. Mm-hmm. But I think all I ever did was play, like you can either play the storyline or you can just play a map and you just build your civilization and then you, you know, fight with others. And it's just fun. So I yeah. think all I ever did was that. Yeah. And then forgot to play the Atlantis bits, but it is a lot of Atlantis. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's um like that happens for a lot of people though, where like Atlantis just kind of gets like inserted into a narrative, and we go with it because it's like, oh, Atlantis, ancient Greece, uh, of course they go together. Why wouldn't they? Right, like that's the thing, and this it comes back to you know my listeners have now heard it a trillion times by the time this episode <laughs> will air, but. <laughs> I'll just never get over how Atlantis is not a myth based on everything Mm -hmm. I grew up with that suggested it was like the biggest Greek myth there is. Right? Like, (laughs) it just, the way, you know, it it just, it was clearly meant to be the biggest one. We were all deceived. (laughs) I know, like the first time I tried looking into it, it was like, okay, I'm going to go get the ancient sources on Atlantis. And then it was like three fucking paragraphs. I mean... I'm sorry. Can I swear on here? I forgot. I can. Okay. Oh, please. Please. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But you can tell how much it's fine in that, like, I didn't even bat an eye. (laughs) No, there's nothing. And it's not like, it doesn't sound like mythology. It Mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, it clearly is not meant to be mythology. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just so wild to me because I just had no idea, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Like he, he even goes out of his way to take mythological characters and make them non-mythological. Exactly. Yeah, he's just like, oh, we don't even know what their real names were. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, in terms of, you know, gods and stuff, it's, like, Poseidon, you know, obviously Poseidon's the big one. But even, you know, in his alternate Athens, which is the biggest reason why it's so easy to say, you know, anyone talking about Atlantis as real is being disingenuous because they never talk about Athens. Mm-hmm. But even in that, it's, like... Athena and Hephaestus are just kind of there. They're like, yeah, it's Athena and Hephaestus' city. And then they're forgotten. And then it's like Poseidon's children are the real thing. And then, but Stephen still, it's like, those are the only mythological characters and they don't really count because they're, they're just gods. He was just like, unite, like connecting it with his own city and his own experiences Mm -hmm. as a Greek where you have a patron God, you have to, like, that's Mm -hmm. the way it is. And that's all of the mythology. (laughs) Yeah. Although I, I appreciated the, um, like kind of the side eye he threw Poseidon by saying that like Athena and Hephaestus were co-ruling because they both came from Zeus and they both shared like, the same values. And of course, you know, their land was naturally suited for virtue and intelligence. And over here we have Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And also like they, you know, they are r- ruling Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ancient Athens, but also ancient Athens is always and another of the big, like, big question marks on how this never came down the line to us today or to mi- pop culture, I should say, mm-hmm. that like Athens is the good one. Atlantis is explicitly bad. And that's mm-hmm. because of Poseidon, but it's also because it, like Athena and Hephaestus are not birthing Athenian children literally and then letting them rule. But Poseidon mm-hmm. is like, no, my children are the ones ruling Atlantis and it's going to go bad. So it's like even yeah. extra shade thrown on Poseidon of like, this dude mm-hmm. is not for running cities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Plato is right. That's like the one mm-hmm. mythological thing where he gets it completely right. Poseidon yep. should not be involved in anything ever. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, oh my God, the mythology of it all. It's wild. So, but... Yeah. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, because obviously mm-hmm. that's the best. I mean, 
the thing that that gets me with with it is that the the base game is so accurate and it also it plays with mythology in this really realistic and lovely way where you have these mythological things but they're not explicit you know Mm -hmm. she killed the nimian lion i'm gonna say she it's always cassandra you know she can kill the nimian lion and it's really just a big lion like it's Mm -hmm. not it's it's a big lion sure but it is not explicitly mythological and that's the case for all of those big beasts where they get the name so you get some history you get like this idea of mythology you're not actually killing a monster until the atlantis dlc comes along although uh i mean there is thriving dread um no, but is, so the okay, medusa so, one i'm so curious about that okay so okay. did the writhing dread exist in the game before the atlantis dlc because you have to kill the writhing dread to get to atlantis so did it exist before the atlantis dlc existed or was okay added? so um Yes. Game help. Thank yeah. you. Yes. You you know that meme from um, Always Sunny with like Charlie doing like the conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're right. going there right now. Great. So. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> like it's it, it's hard to like kind of piece out what the hell is going on with Atlantis and like how Cassandra ends up there because she has to go through this interface with um, Alethea, right? Um, so we've got Alethea, this Isu projection, um, you know, in philosophy, she's a personification of truth. So we've got kind of that connection to the whole, like, um, Plato connection with Atlantis later. Okay. But basically what happens is that, um, Cassandra needs to become attuned to the staff of Hermes Trismegistus, right? Um, she's the staff keeper. We hear that from Alethea over and over. And... Um, going through um, the underworld and Atlantis is to basically um, train her um, to suppress the power of the staff. Mm. So what Alethea does is she creates these simulations um, based on um, Isu history and her own memories um, and then sends Cassandra into those. So what we're seeing in the simulation isn't actually happening. Mm. It's you know, kind of like this really elaborate, like, astronaut training program created by Alethea at some point in the past. Um, and then she projects herself forward because she has all, like, this, you know, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff that she can do. And, you know, Cassandra basically gets to, you know, live through these simulations and experience what Alethea experienced as the Dicastis in Atlantis when she went there herself. So what we're seeing is kind of like a window into the Isu past. It's all stuff that's already happened. Mm-hmm. So when we get to, I mean, spoilers, obviously we're talking about the yeah, DLC. I'm going to give a full warning of we're spoiling the whole DLC yes, today because we have exactly. to get to Atlantis. So. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, she goes through um, Eleusis. She goes through um, Hades, Tartarus, Zone. She gets to Atlantis and we get all these Isu experiments on humans, right? And the lab at the very end, um, when we see Aita and Juno, they've been using Isu devices to essentially turn these um, kidnapped humans into the mythological monsters. So we see Mm. uh, the Sphinx in like a giant bat. We see the Manitar. We see Medusa. Um, And then at the very end, we we fight and kill the Hecatonchires. I was so bummed out. Oh, see, uh, I wanted to be thrilled to see them, but they were just so not what I wanted. And I know it's because they're I mean, Isu, yeah. but I love the Hecatonchires. 
they are awesome monsters. I was I was not expecting to see them. Mm. So like when uh, I guess it was Poseidon who dropped it first, I was like, oh shit, we're getting the Hecatonchires up in here. And I mean, it, it ended up being like this weird sort of like Dark Souls spider boss thing, which was, you know, not great, but still, I mean, we we got it. And, we got uh, the it, word it, repeated a lot, which I'll just yeah. take the word Hecatonchires. I just want to say it all of the time. It's a cool um, word. It's one. Yeah. They're one of my favorites because of how much I just want to say that word always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like um. The um the Olympus project, which is what Juno decided to call this whole thing of creating monsters, was basically um to try and you know cow humanity into submission. Uh, in game lore, the Isu had created humans as a subordinate race. Humans didn't like that, obviously. So we get hints in the games about like Adam and Eve breaking out of the Garden of Eden, which was another Isu city. With the golden apple, which is an Isu artifact, uh, we get all the stuff in here. Where there's one really interesting line where uh, we learn the the crowns of um, Persephone, Hades, and Poseidon actually allow them to control people's thoughts and actions, mm. uh, which I thought was a really good callback to um, a couple of those lines in Plato, where he's talking about how the gods control humanity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not through force like a shepherd would but you know through um persuasion and stuff so it's kind of like a a technological nod in that direction i think Mm -hmm. but there was still a big conflict between the isu and humans who naturally didn't want to be slaves so juno comes up with this idea oh we'll just make the most hideous monsters possible Mm -hmm. and then they will see how inferior they are and they will never do anything uh, wrong ever again. This is this is basically her plan. Uh, the Isu end up getting destroyed, more or less, anyways. Um, the monsters get out. They make it into Greek mythology. Um, but, you know, they're still that product of um, like really early Isu technology. So, mm-hmm. they were created in the past. Um, Cassandra presumably you know, comes across them in the Greek world. And then uh, we finally figured out how they were created once we get to the Atlantis DLC. Right. So, okay. Now this is just truly like an actual question about like the logistics of the game, because Mm -hmm. I got the game when it had already been out for a while. So by the time I got it, both DLCs had already been released. Mm -hmm. And I assume they had all this planned at the beginning, regardless anyway, but Mm -hmm. When the first game released, did mm-hmm. you have access to the Writhing Dread and the others, or did that come with the Atlantis DLC? No, you had access to them. You did? So, okay. Who so just didn't get you in yeah. You didn't solve the puzzle, but you could kill them, or, or you didn't, like, get to Atlantis. I think I generally what happens with um, big games and DLC is that they have the narrative arc planned out first. Yeah. Uh, and then they'll have sort of like um, separate teams that are working on the base game and then smaller teams on the DLC that can, you know, grow into larger teams after the, the base game is out. So they would have known what was coming mm-hmm. and they would have planned around that. So um, it's been a while since I like played through the end of the base game. But if I recall correctly, like you need the orbs to actually access 
the room that gets you into the underworld in Atlantis. Yes. Yeah, it gets yeah. that's the thing. You need them to get into Atlantis, which is mm-hmm. why I wasn't sure whether you needed them to get the to finish the base game before the Atlantis DLC came out. Right. It doesn't really matter. I'm just curious because like yeah. to me the, the base game seems to just have such a good grasp in reality mm-hmm. that I think I just get bummed out at the ASU stuff. But like of course it was planned already to have all the ASU stuff. So like Yeah. But I'm just like, oh, the rest of it was so grounded in this cool reality where like yeah. there's a couple times where you like think that who you're talking to could be a god, you know, like that old woman who makes yep. you feel that stuff and you're like, are you Athena? Totally like, Athena, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. or like even just the daughters of Artemis and being like, Daphne, like, are you Artemis? Like, mm-hmm. you could be, you know? Yeah. And then so I love how subtle those things are, how mm-hmm. grounded in realism they are. So then when I got to, you know, like obviously the Writhing Dread was super cool, though I'm kind yeah. of bummed they don't explicitly call her Medusa except like afterwards. You know? Yeah, I, I think they they're trying to get around the fact that you can have multiple Medusas because okay, it's yeah. the same artifact, right? And they don't want to pin themselves down to like you know one um, person. Yeah, that's fair. So they, and also they've got her yeah. in a totally random place by picking is it Lemnos? Yeah, I think it's or Lemnos it or Lesbos. Okay. Lesbos. It is. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah, because that's right, because they had the Sappho quote. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they all, you have to, like, I mean, I never connect this to the writing dread necessarily, but I do love that you get to go to Sappho's school. Mm. It's lovely. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I love it all. I love it all so much. It's real fun. It's so good. Yeah. It's just great. I'm raising, I'm, right now I'm playing it again on easy mode, mm-hmm. just so I can, like, rack up all the xp in the whole world and have her be this like complete and utter badass and i yeah. love it really sad that is the way yeah right like it's just very fun to get all the stuff really early because then you can just mm-hmm. like fully load up yeah i've uh done a lot <laughs> 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 we'll see how much of my just straight up obsession i leave in here but a lot of it's fun anyway. <laughs> um so okay the the atlanta stuff generally i'm so mm-hmm. I'm sort of of two minds with it where like I understand that it's all the Isu stuff. So they kind of, you know, picked and chose like so many different things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it feels to me like the biggest departure, obviously, from Greek history and Greek mythology because yes. it's not, a, I mean, Atlantis isn't real. And specifically, mm-hmm. Plato is in the game, but he's a little kid, you know, and he gets mm-hmm. his like one little one line and like, my friends call me Plato. <laughs> it's precious. <laughs> But I'm so interested. So the the big character, obviously, in order to get to Atlantis is all the stuff with Pythagoras, who mm-hmm. was obviously a real person. In this game, he's many hundreds of years old because mm-hmm. of various issue-related things and then right. the, the staff of Hermes. Um, but yeah, so do you know much about Pythagoras in, in relation to the game? I mean, any yep. Pythagoras reality is great too, but please mm-hmm. share. Yeah, so uh, one of the... Um... One of the underpinnings of Odyssey is that Cassandra has a special bloodline, right? So she, um, you know, is uh, theoretically descended from the Isu in some way. Um, I think it, it's also mentioned that she has, like, um, some relation to Agamemnon, which mm. I, I thought was kind of weird, but um, I, mm-hmm. I would have picked a different hero. Yeah, that especially because she's so Spartan. I mean, I, yeah. like, yeah, it's odd. Yeah, so uh, we learned that her uh, birth father is actually uh, Pythagoras, and he had had, like, this arranged sort of, you know, conception with 
Cassandra's mother in order to have this child that would then carry on the bloodline. So there's been like this secret sort of um, society thing going on for a while that she finds out about much later on. Pythagoras is uh, at that point the keeper of the staff of Hermes Trismegistus. Trismegistus. Trismegistus, yes. Rough translation, uh, really big dude in the alchemy world. Mm. Yeah, so this is his cult where he gets into like sorcery and alchemy and all of that sort of like mysticism um, sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah, so Pythagoras has that staff and he actually received it from Hermes in Egypt. So there's a um, an earlier game. It's all right. So um, Project Legacy. That's what it's called. It is. Um, oh, it was a Facebook game. <laughs> okay. That uh, came out in 2010. Um, and you play it through your browser. Uh, okay. Wow. Yeah. That was interesting. I, I'm sure. Um, so we get um, Pythagoras. And he is actually traveling around with um, Kairos of Zarax, who we meet in the underworld. Um, he's oh. the like the Spartan dude with the horse that oh, comes yeah. up. Yeah. And he is, so Kairos is following around um, Pythagoras and they end up, you know, making their way eventually to, um, to Egypt, I believe. Uh, Pythagoras has this um, like mathematical theory about the perfect number. Um, that he's working on. And it's getting kind of close to Isu science. So he attracts the attention of Hermes. Um, who then like imparts to him. Like the truth about the Isu. More or less. And so Pythagoras and Kairos are uh, wandering through the desert. They meet Hermes in the middle there. He judges Pythagoras to be worthy of the staff. And then, um, sort of like he, um, he like bonds to it and Hermes, um, passes on the wisdom to him. So mm. he's, they're bringing in, um, these elements of like, um, hermeticism and, um, and mystery cult knowledge, um, and things like that. Uh, so that when, um, when Cassandra actually meets up with Hermes, you know, in the Elysium DLC, she's kind of going through the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. that Pythagoras went through. Much less uh, traumatic, I think. Uh, and I personally wasn't thrilled with Hermes um, in Elysium. No. He's in love with Persephone in a way that feels very unnatural and weird. Yeah, like, it's if he wants to be in love with her, fine. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't care that much about that, but, like, the way he was written, it's just, he's, he's supposed to be the smart guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's falling for all of these really obvious things yeah. that Hermes should not be falling for. And I should say yeah. I don't really have a problem with like them being in love. It's more so mm-hmm. the way they both behave. Because I just, yeah. I don't like any of the gods really in the Elysian one. Mm-hmm. Because it all just seems super not, and I know that's because they're Isu, but you should, they should still be connected to the Greek mythology gods because in mm-hmm. this idea then that means like all of the gods would have been Isu and therefore like Mm-hmm. still related to the Greek mythology that we know. Yeah. But just the fact that not only does Hermes love Persephone, but that he's like trying to manipulate everything for her. And then Hecate mm-hmm. hates her. Like there's this weird, like girl fight in a way where I don't think that's yeah. necessary. Like we don't need that. You know, it just mm-hmm. felt like it took away a lot of the, like, I suppose that the empowerment that is in 
the base game, like just with the Cassandra of yeah. it all, to then have these two goddesses be like bickering is like, oh, that's yeah. disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's why they ended up putting all of this into like a simulation mode, mm-hmm. so that they can have plausible deniability between Cassandra being like a character in this real historical world and all the mythological stuff and gods that they really wanted to include. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but they couldn't. So they've got this kind of like a veil um, in between, you know, the two halves of content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I really enjoyed the Underworld stuff because, I mean, most of the Underworld stuff I felt like had a lot more of the same kind of style, I guess, of the base game. Like, yeah. or more just, I suppose, the connections with the real history and mythology mm-hmm. was quite fun. Like the way they brought back characters and things. Yeah. It felt very different from Atlantis and and Elysian Fields. Mm-hmm. And you could actually fight some of the heroes. Yes, that was so fun. Yeah, I mean, the way that they actually uh, designed Atlantis is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Atlantis specifically. Yeah. And, um, yeah, or or I suppose before we get there, do you know of any kind of, like, the Pythagoras connection to Atlantis? Is that sort of all invented by, well, I know it must be all invented by Assassin's Creed because there is mm-hmm. no reference to Atlantis that precedes Plato. Um, right. But separate from that, like, do you have any idea kind of where they made the choice to connect Pythagoras to Atlantis? Or was it more so maybe just because they'd already kind of made this connection to Pythagoras and they could they could weave him into the story through that versus any kind of easy kind of historical way for them to make the connection? God, I mean, I, I, I used to know the connection between them. No, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't expect you to know anything. <laughs> so long ago. You can look, up, like look it up. Like pre-COVID. Yeah, America. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to say that um, that there was kind of an element of like mystery cult sort of attitude towards Pythagoras and his theorems, um, and that it had a lot to do with uh, Greek philosophy, mm. which is I think why they're bringing in Pythagoras to this kind of um, you know Platonic Atlantis because they do make a lot of references to you know, Plato's conception of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like it, it is very clearly Plato's once yeah. you get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just so interesting because, and I know there's a lot of weirdness to Pythagoras that I've always mm-hmm. been wanting to look into more of mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Cause all I can think of is the, <laughs> the triangle stuff because yeah, I, that's <laughs> about as much math as I ever did in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could connect it to Greek mythology or Greek history. So there I yeah. was. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to me because they just, they do seem to have done so much research that I'm like, well, there's mm-hmm. got to be something that they found there where obviously they didn't find a connection to Atlantis, but they found something about Pythagoras where they could, you know, use him in this way to make these mm-hmm. points. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into it. Pretty sure it has to do with like philosophy and mathematics mm-hmm. um, and stuff yeah. like that. I feel like I've just heard tell about, yeah, like that kind of connection and then also just like general mystery kind of surrounding him mm-hmm. or his followers or something. I don't know. Yeah. Ancient Greece is so cool. Love um, a good mystery cult. <laughs> this is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. So... The whole Atlantis of it all. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. You finally get there and there's so much drama like Mm -hmm. taking place between Poseidon and all of his his people. It's quite fascinating. He doesn't even know about half of it. No, true, right? You kind of discover it after. Like, it's the most Poseidon thing ever. Like, (laughs) he comes in and he's like, no, I made a law, damn it. No one would dare disobey me. Meanwhile, everybody is disobeying him. And Cassandra's just kind of there, being like, "All right, well, I guess we'll yeah. just kind of like see how all this goes." You know? Yeah, and at, at the end, Poseidon in true Poseidon fashion is like, "Fuck this! Let's just destroy the island." <laughs> Truly, I think I was so kind yeah. of like tired of the issue of it all by the end. I've got to play the the whole thing through again because it just. Mm-hmm. I was so excited, I guess, when the word Hecatonchiri started appearing. Right. And I was, like, losing it. And then I yeah. saw them and I was like, oh, you're not what I wanted. I don't know what I wanted, but I wanted, I guess, the description, which is, which, like, how would you actually, how would you actually <laughs> put those into visual? Like, so there's this giant and he's got, you know, a hundred heads. No, wait, a hundred hands and 50 yeah. heads. And also there's three of them and they're totally normal and you have to kill one. Like, okay. Oh, yeah fine it would have been difficult but <laughs> uh, but and one thing i recently learned too uh so i've been taking modern greek on duolingo mm-hmm. and i got to learn the word for judge oh <laughs> it's decastes and i was like oh yay i know that word very well <laughs> great <laughs> 
so the number of times in learning modern Greek on Duolingo, and I've just been like, oh, I know that from Odyssey, or uh, I mean, various English words too, whatever, but mostly mm-hmm. it's like, mm, Odyssey, or even, this is, this is just more weird Greek knowledge, but I feel like this is the episode to share it. Um, when I was last over there, we kept hearing this woman well on on a beach once there was this woman and her dog and it was so cute and she's running back and forth with her dog and she's constantly saying ella and i finally we heard it so much my friend was like oh it's her name it's the dog's name and i go that was like no it's greek for like is it like come or go or something it's like a major dog command and then i realized going back into odyssey that Cassandra says it like almost every time you get on Phobos. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's like, hello. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's like the lady <laughs> and her dog. <laughs> it's just incredibly fun the way all of these things have connected in my brain recently. Um, but I'm trying to think of all of the, I don't know the I mean, all the quest lines in Atlantis, I think have kind of all blurred into one for me. But mm-hmm. let, let's maybe like talk about the visuals of it. Because like you're saying, yeah. like, visually it's very Plato, you know, mm-hmm. it's got the rings of land, all of the fountains, yep. all the, um, the dolphin statues, which mm-hmm. I feel like maybe it's just because I've read Plato now a bunch of times looking for very specific things that I actually have never registered where he talks about dolphins, but everyone talks about him talking about dolphins. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're in there. <laughs> Probably. You- I, I don't know him that well. Nope. Fair enough. I, I usually try and avoid Plato when I can. So. As do I, which is yeah. why the only Plato I have read is the Timaeus and the Critias for this exactly. Atlantis. Actually, I realize I've read the symposium bit about the souls split in half, which is because it's cute. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's so interesting because it really is visually so Plato. But then, you know, once you know the history of it, you know, like, okay, well, Plato hasn't existed in the time that Cassandra's in so mm-hmm. it seems to me that then and I'm sure this is not necessarily what Odyssey was attempting to do but it's mm-hmm. like well are you then suggesting that Atlantis definitely was real in the ancient Greek world mm-hmm. because you have it existing before Plato had the chance mm-hmm. to write about it and it's quite interesting and I I didn't I wanted to play it all again so I had more to say but I yeah. my most recent character is only at the beginning or only just the beginning of the underworld. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I can't, I don't have time to play through all the underworld quests yeah. to get to Atlantis. And otherwise yeah. my Cassandra has beat Atlantis. So I can't do any of the quest lines. Yeah. So I'm curious how many of them kind of connect in with the, with the Plato story mm-hmm. versus just sort of their own inventions. I'll probably, I'm sure there's research on it on the internet. So I'll go find some maybe to add <laughs> into the introduction or the outro of this episode. Cause it's, it's yeah. interesting, but. It's so interesting to me generally that they chose to use Atlantis because of how much it is researched and based in history and mythology. And it really does feel like such a departure for them to be like, okay, but also Atlantis. Although I think at this point, I mean, like if you're doing any sort of Greek myth game, people are going to expect an Atlantis reference somewhere. It's part of the culture, whether we like it or not. I mean, I, I um, was talking to you about it earlier, but like I'm um, Titan Quest. Uh, it's a game that mm. came out in 2006. You would love it. In 2006, I'm. I feel like I'm in. Anytime it like yeah. if it's from my life. Yeah. Like I was in grade 12, so I'm like okay. Yeah. I feel like I could get enough nostalgia, even if I didn't play it, to feel this. Yeah. Yeah, it's also hilarious because like they did a really good job on the design for Delphi. 
and then they just like completely rode off Athens, which I find hilarious. Yes, <laughs> like, I feel like Athens is, deserves that now and then. The but there is a statue of Apollo on the Acropolis. What? <laughs> it's amazing. You have to play this now. Oh my but, god! Absolutely, I have so many questions. Yeah, but like you start out in Greece and then you go to Egypt, and you end up taking um, the Silk Road out to China, and then you finish up the game back on Olympus. So, I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation about, wow. like, you know, subsuming non-Western mythology to Western mythology. But, you know, the game itself is really good. Highly recommend it. And, of course, they have an Atlantis expansion. Mm-hmm. And their route is that, you know, to get to Atlantis, you need to go find the journals of Hercules first. Oh, Hercules wrote over- things down? Was he a very verbose man? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Like, the idea of Hercules actually sitting down to journal is laughable. <laughs> I, um, I can't see. He's got the big lion skin, like, shading over him. And he's yeah. got his club in one hand and a, like, I don't know what they used. I'm going to say pen. A pen yeah. in the other hand. Like, I'm just going to jot this down. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, after the journal of Hercules, um, you need to go get, like, these, um, these other two artifacts. Um, you end up in the gardens of the Hesperides mm-hmm. and uh, get an apple from there and then you end up in Atlantis and it's like all fish people and coral um, and shit so I haven't gotten further than that I don't know how they're going to wrap it up but it's like very much the like sunken city everyone gets turned into fish people sort of thing and somehow there's like lost knowledge in there uh, whereas you know something like Genshin Impact um, they're predominantly like non-Western um, focused storylines. So they've mm-hmm. got um, an area that's very uh, reliant on China. They've got one that's settled after Japan. Their most recent entry was this um, like sunken city sort of thing underneath a very Japanese sunken island, right? It was ruled mm-hmm. over by a serpent. It's got um, lots of, you know, traditional Japanese cult um, decorations on it, cultic elements. And then you go down into Enkoyomiya, which is this island thing, and you find out, oh, it is um, a really old city where they had advanced technology and it was destroyed due to a lack of virtue um, and sin. And, oh, look, all of the characters have Greek names that they are translating to Japanese because that's how we understand it. It's like, okay, you read Plato. I remember that line. And like, oh, all of the rulers are called Phythons. Um, (laughs) And it's like, it just keeps going on and on and on. But it's like, there's this Atlantis in the middle of, you know, Genshin Impact. Um, You know, what the hell is it doing there? We've got Indiana Jones in the search for Atlantis. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere at this point. And it always seems to be this idea of, like, you know, advanced civilization, downfall, we need to go find it, and then we'll get all of their, like, advanced technology and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, I know leans into the ancient aliens and everything, mm-hmm. but I did appreciate in Odyssey, at least, that we were getting it, like, pre-destruction. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was... Yeah, it, it wasn't like us going there to reclaim something that was, you know, better than current society. It was, you know, the simulation 
that Cassandra needed to undergo to like blend with the staff, but it wasn't really having an effect on her world at all, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so true. And then on top of that, too, like they don't really harp on any kind of uh, super advanced technology comparatively to mm-hmm. the other places in the simulation, right? Like, yeah. it's not like Atlantis is particularly fancier than mm-hmm. the Elysian Fields. It's fancier than the Underworld, but okay, but of course it that, is. That like, was Hades' choice and his terrible interior designer. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I realize <laughs> I don't think you have to defeat Theseus in the Underworld, do you? I don't. Is he? I don't think he's one of them. I Only don't if you think remember so. Too. I know because it, it's Perseus, I Perseus, Agamemnon, Achilles, Achilles. Hercules. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's the one who's like in that tower. Yeah. And like Odysseus, maybe. I know Odysseus no. and Atlanta show up in Phoenix, but oh yeah, no, Odysseus yeah. is not in it. I would Aww. remember because I love him for no good reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting. The and I suppose that they kind of went with the more like canonically ancient i suppose for lack of a better term of just theseus kind of came along for more athenians later um because i don't think jason either now i'm thinking about it, i don't think the bad ones are in there that's interesting yeah yeah hmm, although i'm trying to think of how you would actually have like an epic battle with jason and i, I don't <laughs> see that wouldn't. happening the yeah. man did absolutely no epic battle. Yeah, he would just be like summoning minions and throwing Medea. them at you. Medea, where are you? <laughs> I can't do it without you. <laughs> and you just kill him. It'd be great. That'd be really yep. satisfying. <laughs> be so satisfying. <laughs> god. Oh gosh. Oh my god. Talking about this stuff, that's the thing. I really wanted to have these like these fun episodes to kind mm-hmm. of accompany this because Atlantis can get so dark when you go into oh, yeah. the the way it got to be what it is yeah no like it 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 seems like such a light and fun idea of like oh it it's included in every bit of pop culture about greek mythology and ac odyssey does it and it's so pretty and bright and watery and lovely and then you're like hey but i mean they do it i think pretty well but mm. it's interesting that you mentioned that and once you actually like start walking around atlantis everyone is freaking miserable that's true they are so much slavery yeah, yes. like all of the humans are pretty much slaves. They've got that like fighting arena that you have oh, to go God, break up. Right? Yeah, I guess it's just visually that is really interesting. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's happy. You're just kind of that's yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's definitely not meant to be a good place. Like they're mm-hmm. clearly calling upon that bit in Plato where the whole mm-hmm. thing that brings them down is, you know, it's not their riches. It's when they start, you know, not being humble about their riches and yeah i mean of course there's like the little little dip of eugenics as he likes to do in a couple yeah. of those places where you're like well their blood started to get a little bit too mixed <laughs> but- yeah yeah which they also bring in um atlas has his um human lover elpis oh yeah that's true yeah yeah and then of course you know there is that in itself of the the way they're turning humans into monsters and things, but they put yeah, a that little blame thing. on the, on the, <laughs> the at least it's a little bit less dark than Plato because they're making it dark on purpose. Yeah. Whereas Plato's like, don't let your blood get too mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's, if you look at how most of those monsters got into mythology in the first place, it's not that great either. So this is true. This maybe is true. they're just trying to like loop all of the, horrible acts of gods and with like horrible eugenics of atlantis 
Well, there's no crystal power sources, mm-hmm. so that is something. Um, there's no. I'm trying to think of the really explicitly like post ancient world, but yeah, it's interesting. So they do kind of. They seem to have sort of whether intentionally or not, like strayed away from the stuff Mm -hmm. that so explicitly comes from the last 300 years and thus has ties to the really, the really racist parts of the Atlantis lore that exist. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like them actually doing the work and Mm -hmm. the research and like reading Plato and not just like, you know, sitting down with a blank board and drawing up your planet of Atlantis. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like actually you know, looking like, at what the sources are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like what other people have or have not done with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that gets reflected in the game, which is impressive, I think. It is. And I think, I mean, yeah. it speaks to a lot of what makes the game good in general, mm-hmm. you know, like because it, it handles a lot of or it, it sort of goes against a lot of the more cliche notions that have problematized you know, study of the uh-huh. the ancient Mediterranean, specifically Greece and Rome, of, uh-huh. oh, look, aren't they white? <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Odyssey does make an intention of, or an intentional, like, decision to make people not particularly white and lots of people who are, you know, explicitly not white, uh-huh. um, which is always nice. And then, of course, I mean, just even the way they treat women or Cassandra specifically is like, that's great. So they've, uh-huh. they're clearly doing, yeah. <laughs> ooh, is that, was that a questionable that's great or no? <laughs> No, 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 it is great. Um, I just, I, I always think about their damn marketing department. Um, oh, absolutely. I know. That, Every time that it is loads. a bone, I will never stop picking. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and I was so glad when yeah. you told me that. I think that's really, like, that's really influenced how I explain the game to people or, like, how I talk about it. So thank you for that knowledge of You're welcome. they picked Alexios. And I, I think you kind of reinforced a lot of what I had seen by playing the game of, like, a lot of it is pretty explicitly saying that Cassandra is supposed to be canon. Uh-huh. So then when you play Alexios, like I have an Alexios going because I was interested in, in that. Um, but I can't bring myself to defeat all of the people that would lead up to the Daughters right. of Artemis because I'm like, I don't want to see Alexios become the head of the Daughters of Artemis. That sounds yeah, so wild. That's, that's awful. It's yeah. It, it's so weird. It feels so <laughs> wrong. And even just generally like, Every time you have to encounter Deimos, it's like, no, <laughs> Cassandra does not fit this character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's quite interesting that way where it's pretty clear, like, what they were intending to do. Yeah. And then, yeah, every time you open it, there's Alexios looking strong. You're like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Cassandra's canon in my head. That's that's certainly clear. And I think She's in canon in our people's. hearts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She's the best. <laughs> she really is. I know. It's just, oh, it's wonderful. Um, it's like, I'm just like going off and getting <laughs> high on the Atlantis of it all. Um, is there anything else you feel like we should mention when it comes to Atlantis? Either if you want to mention any other games or the DLC or what have you. Well, I already talked about Genshin and Titan Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I already talked about the lack of fish people. When you were talking about fish people, mm-hmm. I do find it interesting that Atlantis does get conflated so often with like this idea of mermaids mm-hmm. um, and that like, of course, you know, if there's an Atlantis, it's populated mm-hmm. by mermaids, obviously. Mm. And of course, mermaids is one of the main, I would say, mythical creatures like or mainstream mythical ideas that mm-hmm. doesn't really explicitly feature in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, unless I'm wrong, I don't really think there's any kind of creature that 
we could explicitly tie to what we think of as a mermaid, you know? I mean, mermen, yes. Mermaid. It, like fish people? Yeah. Like like you've got tritons. Oh, I guess triton. Fucking triton. Okay, well, ruined my whole yeah, thought. Yeah, but I think oceanids, like, are just normal people. In most of the art, at least. And they, like, go on land. Like, Thetis is going around everywhere all the yeah. time. Hmm. Well, it's yeah. still ruined my thoughts. I forgot about Triton. <laughs> I try to avoid Poseidon on most as cases. most of us should. That, that's a good rule to live by. A dangerous man. I think I usually try to bring him <laughs> up just to explicitly remind my listeners that while I give Zeus a lot of shit, I would argue he is objectively less dangerous than Poseidon. Yeah. Poseidon threw an entire island at somebody. <laughs> when did he do that? <laughs> uh, it was... um. During the uh, Titanomachy, I think. Oh, he, threw, yeah. it was he right. threw coasts at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I see, and yeah. you know, I feel like that's a that's a really explicit reason. And I think of more of the the violence of him against women and various oh, that too. Other yeah. women characters. Um, yeah. But you're right. Not only towards women, he also will just throw an island at you. Yeah, or like when he lost the battle for Athens, he tried to flood the entire Attic Plain and sent a sea monster after them. Like, he sent a lot of sea monsters, true. He has no chill. No. Absolutely no chill. Like, oh, I'm really sorry the Trojans didn't thank you well enough for building their walls. Apollo didn't feel the need to throw anything monstrous at them like he did. Now, to be fair, Apollo was more of like a epic tantrum sort of guy. He was, but he still sided. He kept on the Tro- Trojan side. True, yeah. Right? He really didn't yeah. turn on them. Like, he, yeah, he's not the type to, like, toss a monster at you because he really is more of, like, a passive-aggressive kind of angry. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm no fan of Apollo, but comparatively, you know, he also yeah. didn't get paid for the wall. Yeah, he is bad in different ways. Exactly. Exactly. It's a yeah. little bit, like, more under the surface. I find Poseidon mm-hmm. to be bad in explicit ways mm-hmm. where it's, like... Zeus, I think, is the type of guy who is convinced that he loves the women that he assaults, mm-hmm. you know, even if they don't agree. He lo- mm-hmm. thinks he loves them. Whereas Poseidon is like, no, like Poseidon is just violent, which is why I don't like to talk yeah. about him very much. It's just, yeah, I suppose to kind of pull it back and mm-hmm. make things easier for me in the editing. It's <laughs> it's so interesting to me. And I've harped on this so many times, but I just feel like I'll never get over it. So I'm not letting my listeners get over it either. Mm-hmm how much Atlantis has become this staple of mm-hmm. Greek mythology representations in pop culture. So specifically, yeah. You know, when, I mean, it, it, you know, is very clearly not a myth, but also mm-hmm. is just such a minor, like a blip from the mm-hmm. ancient world. Yeah. And then is now what it is where, unless you know the difference, you just are so certain that Atlantis is this major myth from from the greek world mm-hmm. you know and rightfully like i don't think anyone's to blame for not knowing because the world mm-hmm. wants you to believe that even though as soon as you start looking into it it's like oh my god plato wrote this one thing and he it doesn't sound like a myth it doesn't sound like he believes it's a myth it doesn't sound like he wants mm-hmm. to, you to believe it's a myth you know when one thing yeah you mentioned at the top um was uh the reference to reading poseidon and knowing the line oh it was when you're talking about the japanese uh, version mm-hmm. or the Japanese uh, game the reading the line in Plato where he you know is like oh and you know the reason that these names are all Greek is 
it's just because when Solon talked to the Egyptians, the Egyptians told him in the Greek and then Solon translated or in the Egyptian and then Solon translated him into the Greek. And oh, isn't it a coincidence? Oh, you know, don't worry. Don't like ignore the fact that that completely throws into dis- disarray any mm-hmm. idea that this could be true. That's yeah. why, you know, it. Mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It's it's like there's so much in, in Plato where it, he's so explicitly like this isn't true. I'm using this fake thing I made up to prove a point yeah. about something else. And then meanwhile, what it is today of, you know, on the lightest, most lovely side of it, it is mm-hmm. this notion of a Greek myth of a lost city that's super cool and advanced and all of this. And then on the darkest side, it's like an Aryan homeland for yeah. the worst racists in the world. Like, yeah, it's, it's like just, internet sarcasm. You know, if you yes. don't tell people you're being sarcastic, they're not going to get it. Yeah, like I just want to yeah. post that clip of <laughs> from Plato with just like a slash S at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> dude is not being serious. Don't take him, you know, seriously. It's why my yeah. logo for this series is just Plato face palm of which like, is brilliant, what? by the way. My compliments to the artist. Oh my god, Sarah Richard, incredible! <laughs> All I did was say because she she illustrated Plato for our cocktail book that's coming out soon, mm-hmm. and then I just was like, would you? could you illustrate him for me for my Atlanta series? And if I just say like face palm Play-Doh, could you run with that? <laughs> and this is what she gave me first try of me saying face palm Play-Doh. And I'm just like, I'm so in love with it because it perfectly describes like Plato was not a perfect man. I don't, you know, I'm not shouting mm-hmm. his praises, but even he would still look at what Atlantis has become and just be like, what? <laughs> like, what yeah. did you read? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it, it's so it's so. I don't know. Maybe, so maybe the last half that we don't have is him explaining what sarcasm is. I know. Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> it's like found one day, and it's like he finishes the whole thing, and he's like, "That whole story was a lie." Yep. It's yeah, just, it's just a big Socratic dialogue on why yeah. Atlantis is a terrible idea. <laughs> I built up this whole idea of these two places to provide a comparison to you about one that is good and one that is bad and what, what happens when those two places go to war. And, and also yeah. the other place is not real. Yes. <laughs> we know the other place is not real, which is why everyone trying ever to defend the idea of a real Atlantis just conveniently forgets that in order for there to be a real Atlantis there had to be a real Athens 9,000 years before Solon and let me tell you there wasn't (laughs) it's just so interesting also the idea that and we were talking about this before of of it being so technologically advanced Mm -hmm. when in fact you know in Plato it's not technologically advanced all it is is Plato using what he knows of classical of the classical world and putting it 9,000 years before. Yeah. That doesn't actually make them advance. It just means he's taking what he knows and putting it into a fictional story. Mm-hmm. And of course, that became, oh, this technologically advanced society with all their lost knowledge. It's like, they're explicitly bad in, this, yeah. in Plato. They're the bad guys. Athens is the utopia, actually. Anyway. And at least, hey, to bring it back, Assassin's Creed Odyssey seems to have gotten that. Yeah, they made it bad. It is yeah. a bad place for humans. <laughs> and I mean, I, I think that gets back to what you were saying about how amazing it is that people just like don't realize that, you know, we don't have an ancient tradition for this. This is like Not three paragraphs in Plato. And, you know, kudos to 
the Ubisoft team for actually sitting down and realizing that. Because I think that you can do good, like, modern versions of Atlantis. It doesn't all have to be, like, terribly, you know, racist and garbage. But, you know, you need to be honest with yourself about what's out there, what the history is of it, and be able to incorporate that, you know, in a sensitive, you know, believable way into your own creation. Absolutely. That, I was just editing my last conversation episode um, of the more serious ones, not about pop culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's specifically about all the dangerous aspects of what Atlantis has become. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's so true. Like, you know, that Atlantis is what it is. Doesn't mean we can't put it in pop culture. Mm -hmm. I just think you have to know what you're doing. You have to know what the actual ancient sources are. And then Mm -hmm. you have to know what damage the the rest of it has done yeah you know if you want to cover atlantis cover plato's version don't add the stuff that comes from people who were explicitly racist yeah because everything that's not in plato has ties to racism in some way or another some like bits more and less but they all have ties to either explicit racism or just plain light colonialism you know all of it has these these really dark aspects if you leave plato at all and even in the plato you know i my first episode is dedicated to describing in detail what plato did actually say Mm -hmm. and a couple times i had to say like yes there's a hint of eugenics incredibly that isn't actually the point but i'm gonna tell you it's there you know (laughs) yeah it's a couple minor lines you know but mm-hmm. it's there, and somehow it's not remotely, even a tiny bit, the most dangerous part of the current modern Atlantis story. Yeah. Just really saying something. Yeah, I mean, you need to think about what you're perpetuating with your version, and, you know, whether that's a responsible thing to do or not. Yeah, exactly. And you're right, yeah, Ubisoft clearly did, like, make some conscious decisions there with what mm-hmm. they did do and how they connected it. And, yeah, and I mean... It's still fun. You know, their version is, it's still fun. Exactly. I would argue it's one of the least fun parts in the game, but that's my own thing with the Isu stuff versus the actual Atlantis stuff. Considering how fun the rest of the game is, I mean, you can still be the least fun part of Odyssey and be a whole lot better than anything else out there. Absolutely. I mean, I say absolutely as if I played literally any other game that wasn't on (laughs) N64 or CD-ROM at the turn of the century. But still <laughs> i mean i clearly love assassin's creed honestly sometimes it's such a good too game much. it's such a good game i now yeah. want to go play it and so i probably will i'll probably <laughs> go play titan quest again i really mm. want to find out what the fish people are up to please yes follow follow up with me about the i will yeah that atlantis yeah i do love a good fish person <laughs> my favorite is a goat fish though you know the capricorn the capricorn yeah learning, but they're just, pretty cute yeah just the idea yeah. that they Invented a whole creature that was just half goat and half fish. It's actually kind of the most Samothracian thing ever for not being invented in Samothrace. (laughs) Please tell me how. Well, I mean, Samothrace is famous for goats. Right. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, even in antiquity, goats were like one of the famous things. I guess Samothracian goat just tastes really good. Um, And for goats. Yeah, they're everywhere. God, we had like a full-on war with them over the laundry. Uh, it, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like island fish. 
you know. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, and it's such a tiny it's a sailing cult. Island. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Oh, the sailing cult. Oh. Oh, the cult of Samothrace. <laughs> what my listeners don't know is I'm going to cut out a huge tangent where I just asked <laughs> Kira to tell me all about the real island of Samothrace because I desperately want to go there more than anything. But we're going to keep in the goat fish people of Samothrace. I'm going to add people. Let's make them goat fish people of okay. Samothrace. Because that I'm would be game cool. with that. Oh. It's a mystery cult. We don't know who was there. I, it's Could have been so goat fish mysterious. People. Yeah. It's more mysterious than Eleusis. We don't know. Goat there fish go. people. Yeah. Right? Like, they, was, they would help you on your ship. That's all that it promised. Maybe the secrets of Samothrace is that you'd be inducted into the mysteries and you would be provided safety upon the seas forevermore. And that safety came in the form of goatfish people helping you at all times. All right. Hey, Cannon, it's done. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, I feel like I've gone off the rails and lost my mind a little bit. Thank you so much for doing this. This has of been really very fun. <laughs> Is there anything you want to uh, promote and or uh, tell people where to follow you, etc.? I can always provide links in my episode description as well. Yeah, um, you can always find me on Twitter at Flavian Sophist. Uh, if I'm doing anything of note, it usually ends up on there. And uh, look out for my article on Hades uh, in the upcoming uh, Women in Classical Video Games book. So, Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so exciting. I keep seeing that book posted. That's exciting. I also yeah. one day will play Hades to all of my listeners who will inevitably ask because I am asked probably once a week. I promise one day I will try, but I'm always too busy playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And when you do, you have to invite me back so we can talk about it at length. Absolutely. I love that game so much. Absolutely. Maybe one day I'll just have you on and you can just tell me everything about the game and then I don't have to give up my Odyssey time. And four yeah. hours later. Oh, nerds. Thank you, as always. Can you tell I could talk about AC Odyssey forever if given the opportunity? Just forever. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, this was so much fun. I love Kira's insights into the other side of the game, the, the creation and just gaming in general, as I clearly have no idea because I can only bring myself to play this one game <laughs> always and forever. I was really happy to have Kira also just come back and point out those little things that Odyssey does that hints at the nature of Atlantis. That is, it was always meant to be a bad place in Plato's writing, even if we're seeing it through this Assassin's Creed issue lens. Super interesting, and I definitely didn't kind of make that connection on my own. And generally just, oh, what a perfect palate cleanser in between the much more intense and dense episodes that I have on Atlantis. So I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, the final two episodes of Atlantis and the bonus on Disney's Atlantis. Stay tuned. Thank you all so much for listening. I do love it. This is my job. What a trip. You are all the best. I am Liv and I love this shit. This shit being Cassandra of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. 
It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.